0: Good morning. It is good to be here. I see the clock that I'm looking at does not work, so we'll see how long it goes. The title of the message this morning is As Only the Lord Can Give. And if you want to a while, you may turn turning your Bibles to John chapter 14. I'm going to sort of look at all the whole chapter, but going to focus in at the very end or very close to the end. Peace is something highly sought after. Some are going to attain it. Some are going to think they have, and some are going to, some are going to, some. The story has it. A Christian doctor did an an interesting study with his patients while they were waiting in his waiting room. They were asked to fill out a short survey on themselves in that survey. There was this one question is what is your number one wish? What's your number one wish? about themselves. I don't know if it was exactly how it was worded, but um what was your number one wish? In the patients that did the survey, sixty seven percent of them, their number one wish was peace of mind. They wanted peace of mind. Peace of mind is very important. And I believe we would understand that and we would probably say, yes, that I I prioritize, I want, I desire peace of mind. So let's just assume, I don't know anything about this survey, I don't know if it's a made up illustration, I don't know, but let's just assume this survey is correct, because I'm going to say it's probably not too far off, at least to some degree or another. So if this survey is correct, why are so many troubled or worried? Is there a cure, or is it simply, it's the world we live in, and we need to deal with it as it is? If I ask you the question, what do you think of when you think of peace? What might you answer? And you don't have to answer that, but just thinking about that. When, when you think of peace, what is that? What does that look like? In John chapter 14, where you are turned, Jesus spoke about peace. In this chapter, he's speaking to his disciples. And throughout the chapter, he talks about many wonderful things. Um, he talks about, he's going to prepare a place. The first, uh, at least the first half for sure of John 14 is very familiar. Starts with, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Um, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I, if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. That's the beginning of John chapter 14. He talks about answered prayer. He says, whatever you ask, that I will do for you. If you ask in my name, um, that I will do for you. He promises the coming of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is going to be indwelling in all believers. And then lastly, towards the end of the chapter, he talks about peace, primarily in verse 27, which is what we're going to focus on, um, on how you take that verse apart just a bit and look at what peace means, at least to some degree. The disciples, they still had questions. If you look through chapter 14, 14. Uh, Verse 5, Thomas asks the question. He says, um, how do we know how to go where you are if we don't know where you're going? Because Jesus didn't say exactly where he's going. He said, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place. Thomas says, how can we know the way? Then Jesus makes the statement of that he is the way. And later on, Judas asks, when he talks about the Holy Spirit being manifested in believers, Um, Judas said, how will it be that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? So you can see here there's questions. It was the disciples were human beings. They did not understand everything. And I find that to be encouraging because I can read. I can look at something Jesus says and I say, what what does it mean? And I don't believe everything is very clear for maybe multiple purposes. There's some things we're never going to understand. There's some things that I believe we're supposed to look into and and dig into it and see why he may have said certain things. So the disciples could not understand it all. But we, on the other hand, we can see further into the story and we can see that Jesus' predictions come true. If you look back in chapter 13, it is a very, uh, not a dark chapter, but it's a chapter of predictions. And the predictions are not great concerning the disciple well, concerning Jesus, but... Um, to the disciples it is the passover um, jesus washes the disciples feet they take communion um, take the passover feast what we call communion um, he speaks of his betrayal he says there's one that is going to betray me um, at that point judas leaves um, he talks about or he tells peter that he's going to deny him so leading up to chapter 14 is there's a lot of questions there's there has to be a lot of things going through the disciples mind Uh, I did a quick look. I didn't look at timeline very closely, but I believe chapter 13 through 17 is all one day slash evening, maybe afternoon, evening. Um, So there's a lot going on all at one time. So Jesus makes these predictions. At the Passover, there's a lot of the disciples questioning what what is going on. This is not looking good. And then chapter 14, where Jesus is sends a very comforting message and says let not your heart be troubled and talks about that how he's going to prepare a place the holy spirit will come um, and that they that they can have peace jesus death resurrection and ascension all have taken place what i said we can see further into the story uh, we can keep reading and we see exactly how jesus the trial went the execution how he, he rose again and sometime later how he ascended so we can see that we can see what jesus said in chapter 13 and say oh yeah it it makes sense it's leading up it's not scary because we know what's coming well the disciples didn't but there is one thing that hasn't happened yet that jesus has been predicting through the ages and that there's going to be a second return jesus said i will come again and he mentions it Well, he mentions it very, in the very beginning of the chapter. Remember exactly where it said it later on. But he says it later on, maybe it's in another chapter, that he says, I'm going and I will come again. It is a prediction or a prophecy that has not happened yet. So until, until he the full prophecy is, is done, the second coming, there is a major world change. Until then, all these benefits, the benefits that I talked about, how Jesus said he's going to prepare a place, the comforter is going to come and rest in all believers. He promised that to the disciples and it carries down through the ages. So today, we have the promise that Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter, I'm going to send a helper um, to you. So all that choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within them. So let's take a closer look at the promise of peace. That's what we're going to look at primarily. So if you go towards the end of the chapter, I'm going to pick up at verse 25 and read through the end. Verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that's the things I mentioned earlier, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and I come un, and I come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the father for my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it, before it come to pass that when it come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. We're going to look at verse 27. We see Jesus makes a statement, peace I leave with you, my peace. So we see that, that is the peace that he is looking to give to his disciples. And he makes a comparison of not as the world gives. So if you just take my peace I give unto you and not as the world gives, tells us that there are two different kinds of peace. There's obviously two different kinds. Let's look firstly at the peace of the world. Peace as the world gives is why I believe what we would, if you ask just anybody, that's the first thing that's going to come to mind. The most common idea to peace is defined with things like it's not limited to, but things like a lack of conflict is often seen as peace, which, in a way, it is. Avoiding trouble keeps peace. Refusal to face reality again keeps peace. Just the idea of of um, letting me alone, I'm I can be peaceful by myself because, as we know, oftentimes when there's people, there's problems. But that is not. Um, that is not true peace. This peace is sought through various different ways, but pleasure, positive thinking, and denial of problems. You might say, well, positive thinking, what's wrong with that? That in itself, not really, but it is not sustainable. And what we want to look at is a sustainable peace. So positive thinking, you can, you can listen to um, self-help teachers, some call themselves preachers, but not really. Um, where they they promote positive thinking. Think highly of yourself, and you will reach new heights. However, it might be so positive thinking. It might bring peace for a time, but it is very fragile. The types of peace that I mentioned are a very fragile kind of peace. They have the ability to break down overnight. They are completely dependent on circumstances, and they're most most often they're selfish or they're self. Motivated, at least to some degree or another. You can probably find some that aren't. But for the most part, it's to keep me happy. I don't want problems. I don't want to deal with problems. I want everything to just be quiet, so I'm going to do what it takes. That is a very fragile and a very surface, area, uh, surface level of peace. Now... I mentioned things like lack of conflict or the way the world defines peace, and that's true. Um, avoiding trouble. You could rephrase some of them, and it's what the Christian should be doing. When there is conflict, we should be looking to to um, uh, resolve conflict. Um, avoiding trouble. Yes, we should not be looking to stir up trouble. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. But is that what peace is to us? We're all aware of the conflict that United States is somewhat involved in with Ukraine and Russia. The U.S. has some stock in that. We we call that yeah we call that conflict, and we see that as as not peace. We now in in United States we we would say we're in peacetime, but we'd say Ukraine and Russia they're they're not in peacetime. So things like that, and the the possibility of that changing overnight is very real. If our our leadership decided that we're going to be very actively involved in whatever given war you pick one there's multiple all of a sudden we're not in peacetime so what I'm getting at is that type of peace has the ability to break down very quickly and then what do we not have peace Proverbs 14:12 says there's a way that seems right to man but it's, but its end is the way of death so that's the world's opinion But what Jesus is saying, he is also giving peace. But it's not a peace like that. So, as I mentioned earlier, that is what I'm going to call the world's definition of peace. No conflict, no trouble, nothing, just everything is good. Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, but it's not going to be like that. It's going to be be a different way. The way Jesus compares his peace to the world's peace, it, uh, it reminds me of the way we use hope and love. Um, the Bible uses love in the English language pretty um, overarchingly and there's many different words for love I believe we're all aware of that so we get a little bit of a maybe a blended word when we see it, when we see it like that even hope, as we understand hope it's more of a, a wistful I don't know if it's going to happen but I, I hope so, when the Bible uses hope it's a, it's a, it's a solid, it's grounded and peace I see that as a lot the same way. We look at the world and their, their definition of peace. That peace is not the way Jesus is defining peace. He said, and we're going to look at that. You've probably heard of the word shalom. It is the Hebrew word for, for peace. It's often, it's often translated as peace. It's a greeting. It gets used as a phrase. Um, I don't know the whole breakdown of the word, but it is more or less peace that is what it is uh it's it's in a more a a more complete a more full way talking about peace with god not simply a lack of conflict but more of a peace with god is what shalom means that's hebrew in greek if you look up the greek word for peace in verse 27 you're going to see the word irene. i think i'm saying that right that is the greek word for peace it means a lot of the same thing. It's just obviously a different language. And this is the word that Jesus is using in verse 27. So you see the difference of, of a peace being full, complete. Um, the peace of God versus um, nothing bad is happening. It's a deep, it's an inner peace and it has stability. It's not dependent on people or circumstances, but rather it's dependent on God. Understanding who he is and placing our trust in him. I read an illustration, there were two painters that were asked to paint a picture of peace. don't know who asked them, they said, paint a picture of peace and then they're gonna present them. The one painted a, a beautiful evening scene. He put a, a farm setting, a, country, a, a house in a country setting. Um, it's surrounded by farmland. Um, off to the one side there's a pond, it has a nice blue, blue water, it has, it's, it's glassy, there's, not, there's no wind, it's just a picture perfect. There's mountains in the distance. Depends how far west you go, there's some, there's some snow in the peaks. There's a picture-perfect sunset. It is just the ideal picture of peace. That was his presentation. And I'm sure if you picture that, put yourself on that, that house porch, it would be very peaceful. It's maybe 65 degrees and just very nice. That feels like peace. The other painter also presented a painting He's also had a picture of mountains in it, but it was much closer up. The mountains are much closer. The sky, rather than a nice blue with puffy clouds, was dark, had dark, stormy clouds. There was a stream coming down through the mountain, and that stream was used to be just a nice mountain stream. At the moment, it is a rushing, more like a river. Comes to a waterfall, drops down over 30, 40 feet, and the water's just boiling at the bottom. There's foam and there's spray. The wind has the trees swaying. Don't sound very peaceful at all. But if you look closely in that picture, if you look in the rocks, there in the rocks, there's a bird sitting. There's a a ledge on the rocks. He's protected from the elements. The wind isn't hitting him. Maybe he's getting a little bit of mist, but not bad. And he's singing cheerily. You can decide which one you'd rather be in, depending on the situation, obviously. But both of them represent peace in a different way. I believe the one maybe more realistic is the second one. There are storm clouds around, or I should say, more realistic, more more of a true, more of an inner peace. The bird was not affected by the elements. Um, it was it was protected. The rock had it hidden, and it wasn't worried about the the river rushing beside it. The thunderstorm that was probably going to break out. No worries. It was just singing just as if it was a sunny day. The peace that Jesus gives is a peace that's separated from worldly elements and distractions. So where can this peace be found? We have an idea what it looks like. We looked at comparisons. So where can it be found? And I believe you could all say it with me. It's only in Jesus that we're going to find this true peace. Many times throughout Scripture, we see the phrases of Peace of God and peace with God. So I'm going to start with the phrase of peace with God. We cannot have the peace of God before we have the peace, before we have peace with God. And we'll break that down some. This peace being the peace with God can only come through reconciliation to God. Now I'm just, I'm talking about very familiar things, but our sin has cut us off from God. It has us removed from any possibility of one entering heaven because we know sin cannot enter there. Sin is not going to enter heaven. And because of our sin, we are no longer at peace with God. But God, in his mercy, he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the atonement for us so we could be reconciled to him. And through that, by faith, we need to accept this gift, allow his lordship over our lives. Romans 5 talks about, uh, verses 1 and 2 in, in Romans 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So our peace, if we're going to have the peace of God ruling in our lives, we need to first have peace with God. And that peace with God starts with our surrendering over to Him. And once we do that, only after that can we experience the peace of God. So the peace of God, like I mentioned earlier, it's a deep inner peace, and it's regardless of circumstances we say we're in peacetime, like I said, that could that could change at any time. And we go from we're a country in peacetime to we're not a country in peacetime. When we have the peace of God living in our lives, we can have a nice... The circumstances around us can be great where a peaceful day is not hard to come by. And the next day might not be so much, but we can still have that peace. It's one that doesn't leave simply because... Um, The car broke down, or it rained when I wanted to do something outside and it just wrecked my day. Whatever it might be Um, illness, you name it. There's still that peace. Not that we like when those things happen, but there is the sense of peace, the inner, the deep inner peace. And that is what Jesus is saying this peace I leave with you. They're going to be having hard times. The disciples, they're going to be having questions. There's going to be things they're not going to understand, things are going to be difficult. But Jesus said, I'm leaving you with this peace so your world doesn't need to be turned upside down. Jesus told his his disciples just a few in our Bible chapters later. I believe it's the same day, evening. In verse 33 of chapter 16, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And he goes on to say, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Again, he's instating that, these things I've spoken to you, and um, he, he says a lot in the next two chapters. I'm not going to go over it. Um, but he says, these things I've said to you, so that you, I've spoken to you that you might have peace. By the way, it's not always going to be peaceful, but you can have peace. Trials are going to come, um, various ways. The disciples were going to find this out. I do believe all of them, we could exclude Judas, obviously, um, but all of them experienced mistreatment and all of them, except John to some degree, um, were were martyrs. They were all um, put to death for their faith. John is not listed as a martyr, yet um, no easy life for him. He was exiled and died somewhat of a natural death, I guess you could say. But the rest of them, various different forms uh, beheadings crucifixions uh, a couple of different ways so they seen they seen trials this was this was real in the world they had tribulation and um, what what jesus said was did come to pass but he said i say these things so you might have peace so when they're going through this when a lot of them their killings didn't happen very quickly there was there was um torture or whatever you, you name it they Many, many people tried to get them to, to change their ways, to stop doing what they were doing. So that was not obviously very peaceful, yet they all followed through, excluding Judas, and hung on to that peace that Christ had, Jesus had gave them before he left. So Jesus didn't stop with the warning of trials, but he said, Be of good cheer. There's going to be trials, but be of good cheer. And just taking this, bring this to us today, What Jesus said to his disciples, I do believe, carries over today. He he offers this peace. But with this peace, he also says that there is going to be trials. Along with those trials, he says, be of good cheer. How, or even why, are we going to be able to be of good cheer when the the trials are here? And Jesus says it right after that. He says, I have overcome the world. At that point, Jesus had not died and rose again but he was it was a prediction he was saying what was going to happen what he was going to do and now we live in that era we can have victory over sin we're still going to face temptations and trials but we can resist we have the ability to resist through the power of the holy spirit and while trials are going to come temptations are going to come be of good cheer you are not alone jesus said i i am with you through the holy spirit I do believe the Lord uses trials to strengthen and develop us. If you're still in, in Rome at Romans, pick up at chapter 3, or verse 3 rather, chapter 5. Speaking of being justified by faith through Jesus, rejoice in hope in the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that, tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So you see... That what he's what he's saying here is is patient, and knowing that tribulation works patience, it's patience, experience, and experience hope. I mentioned earlier about um, peace and hope. The way we know them, there's a much fuller meaning when they're mentioned in the, through scripture. Having peace with God allows us to recognize, and I believe, to understand what he's doing or what he, what he does is best for us, even if we don't understand or maybe even appreciated at the time there are struggles there are trials that we're going to go through and we're going to say why lord How, what is this what is the purpose of this why this door closed and another one and, because i thought i was supposed to get there but now i'm not just i'm sure you could name some in your own life of where you look and say now which way oftentimes you give it enough time, not always, but you will see the hand of God moving you around. And I'm sure you could attest to that, at least to some way or another, how it looked very clear, and then it wasn't, however many, how much time or years, whatever it might be later, and it's not a guarantee that we're always going to see exactly what the Lord had in mind, but sometimes I believe we can see very clearly, and we say, oh yeah, I can, I can see exactly what that was for. Not that it's easy or we even appreciate it, but if we have the peace of God in our hearts, it's not going to turn us bitter. Rather, it's going to make us better. It's going to strengthen us. It's going to develop us. And through those things, we're going to grow. Two people can go through the same thing. One is going to come out a stronger person, one that um, that is, is closer to the Lord. It can happen to, to somebody else the exact same thing. And it's going to turn them away. But if we have the peace of God in our hearts, we understand that God has a purpose for all he does, even when we can't see it. So there is peace even during trials. The real peace, not the worldly peace, but the peace that Jesus is promising to his disciples and to us. There's the peace of assurance. It's unquestionable confidence. We are in the hands of an almighty God. And we can rest assured in that. Knowing who created and controls the universe brings a sense of calm. There is much despair. There's much hand-wringing of, of the state of society, of environment, etc. You, you name some of the hot-button issues in our, in our world. There's, what are we going to do? This thing is changing and just not peaceful. What are we going to do? And I don't say that none of these things should ever get our attention or that we should not pay any attention to them. Maybe they do get our attention. Maybe they even concern us a bit because some some things might be worthwhile um, looking into. But as believers, I believe, first of all, we should, or we can, and I believe we should, have peace knowing that God is in control regardless of a nation's leadership, weather trends, you name it. Whatever it might be, there's... Lots of hype over. Um, well, it does change from year uh, from over a span, but um, climate change, things like that, and let's do let's look at ways and we can improve. I'm not advocating that we use our resources sloppily. Not at all. We need to be good stewards, but we need to understand who controls the universe, who's put it in place, and who has kept it running meticulously. For thousands of years. And. That same God. Has a personal interest in each one of us. So for. Us to be. Very concerned about. Things like that. um, Is. is, I believe is. is fruitless. It's not going to get us anywhere. And we. We lose our sense of peace. Because we. We feel there's a sense of. I need to control this. And. And we can't. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians has the phrase of peace of God. And if we, first, if we do not first of all have peace with God, having the, our, ourselves reconciled to God, that we can have a relationship with God, The peace of God is not something we're going to attain. Maybe in bits and pieces, you can see a fragile peace on some people, but it's not sustaining. It's not going to last. When things get very difficult, that peace tends to go away. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Not maybe, not I might, but he's going to be. And he says, just be still and know that I am God. I also read a story of an ambassador and his aide were over in, in another area, not where they were living usually. They were in, this, in, the, in a motel room together for the night. And uh, the ambassador, the one that was speaking for this particular country, couldn't sleep. He was having his restless night and his aide across the room said "Um, sir i can tell you're disturbed about something and he said oh if you knew all the responsibilities i have you wouldn't be able to sleep either and the aide said "Uh, do you believe god controls the world or the universe and he said well yeah of course he does and he said do you think god will will control the universe after you die and he said of course he will he said then how about you let him control the universe while you live That's just a a simple story, and it says the ambassador got the point, and he fell asleep. But if we can put our lives in that situation, there are are going to be things that might keep us up at night, might cause for concern, maybe worry. Um, But when we can put them in the hands of God and allow him to take care of it, a sense of peace is going to come, and there's no doubt about it. Jesus said, or psalm writer said be still and know that i am god so in conclusion god desires that we have peace not just surface level but true peace not just when the sun is shining and all is going well but also when life is difficult he desires that we have peace it is then primarily then when things are not going well we still have peace that we grow in our love for god that's when our when our growth and our love for god is the most obvious so while i don't uh, look forward to problems we can expect problems and trials and hardships i don't wish them in my life i don't wish them in your life but as believers we can we understand what, what god has said what jesus is saying he says you're going to have problems they're going to be different from person to person but there is a way to have peace even through trials. And let's take hold of that. It is, it is really the only way. Otherwise, life is very stressful and there is no peace. I'm sure you've heard that, seen the signs or read sayings that says, um, Know Jesus, you know peace. If you, if you know Jesus, you know peace. It just says, no Jesus, no peace. But then it also flips it around. The spelling is different. It says, Know Jesus, no peace. If you do not know Jesus, you will not have peace. So first of all, it starts with peace with God. The peace with God will allow us to have the peace of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you, what you've said in your word, that you've promised peace to those that will believe, to those that will call upon your name. I just pray for each one here this morning. While life might not always be the peaceful that we would like it, we can have the peace, that we can have peace with you. And the peace of God ruling in our lives. So I just pray for each one here, and that it could be reality in each of their lives. And when trials and hardships come, help us to be reminded to go to the Scriptures and to be comforted, because you said that you will you will send a Comforter, and that you will speak to us. Let's us be reminded of that, and to take that to heart. May we be with the remainder of the service in Jesus' name, Amen.